just want to add my welcome to that of Charles to all of you today. Uh, and I want to start with a question for you. So, I'd like you to name somebody that you've always wanted to meet. Someone whom, if they arrived at your door, it's very much of a kind of heart-thumping moment. Oh, I cannot believe that these people, this person is standing on my doorstep, that they're actually here. So, uh, yeah, have, have, a have a think now, or maybe have a talk with uh, somebody beside you. Who, who's that person for you? Who's that person for you? Somebody arrives on your doorstep, and it's somebody you've always wanted to meet, and there they are right in front of you. Okay, would anyone like to call out who they've heard from somebody beside them or thought of themselves? The Queen. Yep, there we go. Bob Dylan. Didn't hear that, Andrew? C.S. Lewis. Wow. Um, really good. Well, uh, mine, it won't surprise you, is a golfer. So, um, but he's not alive anymore. <laughs> but a uh, guy called Sevi Ballesteros, I mean, him, him standing on my doorstep, that's definitely knee trembling. Um, for Tim, who's leading worship for us this morning, it's Hugh Fernley Wittenstall. I can hardly pronounce his name. Is that right, Tim? Yeah, that's about right. Um, yeah, other people that I've heard through the week, yes, somebody saying Michelle Obama standing on the doorstep, that would be amazing. Someone else saying Einstein, would love to have an interesting conversation with Einstein there clearly stretch it there and uh, yes for my mum uh, who's also no longer with us but for her it would definitely be the queen um, she used to tell me how um, even if she was in the bath and she heard the national anthem she would stand to attention <laughs> and I said to her how did you do that and she said I just lay flat like this <laughs> okay, fine. too much information okay so <laughs> but this there's something very strong, isn't there? Something very powerful when the person who carries the message and you've heard from a distance is the one standing right in front of you. And that's one of the themes that our passage this morning picks up. So I'm going to turn to Hebrews chapter 2 and uh, I'm going to read verses 1 to 9. And our theme for today is we do see Jesus Hebrews 2, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, in what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man, that you care for him. 
You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our series going through the whole book of Hebrews, the first chapter we've discovered unpacks the essential and recurring point of the letter, that Jesus is better than anything that has gone before, including the angels. Where our passage starts is the reverse consequence of that. The message that was brought by angels to Moses, referencing Deuteronomy 33 verse 2, uh, where he describes that as a theophany of holy celestial beings giving him the law. Well, if people disobeying that led to punishment, it's at our very greatest peril that we ignore the message that is brought by Jesus, who is far superior to the angels and far beyond anything else. The writer of Hebrews brings this clear warning to his listeners. The context of that early church was continuous attack and threat of destruction from the Roman Empire. It's not so much that there's a direct rejection of the gospel in those early Christians' lives. It's more that there's a danger that the things going on around them are causing them to drift away. They're losing their bearings on what a life of faith is about. That's why this warning comes in here. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? It's a wake-up call. Don't let those external circumstances cause you to lose your bearings like a boat drifting away on the sea or like a ring slipping off your finger and losing it. Don't let that happen. Every generation faces circumstances of threat, uncertainty and impending destruction. And it's clear that the climate crisis is one of those for us now. And we are surrounded by news about it. It's, it's very easy for that to kind of overwhelm us, that circumstance to overwhelm us. And yes, we need to pay attention to it, and I'll be talking to that later. But first off, how do we heed the writer's warning not to drift away from the message of salvation? And what the writer describes is the importance of coming back to our salvation so that the circumstances don't overwhelm us, we come to Jesus who brought that message of salvation. He describes that this salvation was first announced by the Lord and confirmed by those who heard Jesus. So, for example, Tim is all over the Hugh Fernley Whittenstall stuff. Books, TV series, he's even got me to pronounce his name correctly. Food products from River Cottage, the whole nine yards. If there was a t-shirt, you'd be wearing it this morning, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's it. 
And when you're imbibing that message from that person, to actually meet the messenger, the actual person, and hear it direct, it's extraordinary. And that is the power of Jesus coming to earth. All that message that's come through the prophets and the Old Testaments and the angels. But people didn't get it, didn't take it on. So God took that massive step of sending his one and only son. And the Lord actually came to earth to be that messenger. And as Jesus, the message and the messenger are standing right before you. It's an absolutely heart-thumping, mind-boggling moment. I'm going to bring something that I was going to say later right into this moment because, of course, how can that be possible for us now? Well, that is by the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to us. So we'll have space at the end of this talk to receive the Holy Spirit, to, for the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us here and now. The messenger being present with us by his Holy Spirit. And it's key that we do see Jesus, that we keep Jesus at the forefront as the leading beat of our lives. The writer makes it clear that he didn't hear direct from the, from the Lord. He's had the message of salvation passed on to him by people who met the messenger. And alongside the power of the message, God also witnessed to salvation by signs, wonders, and various miracles. I wonder what a various miracle is. It must be just an NIV translation, but it got me wondering. It's a various one. I think a miracle is great, whatever it is. So we have the word of God alive and active and the action of God so clearly recounted in the gospels, the acts of the apostles and through successive generations since then. And in addition to that are the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to God's will and these back up the message too. What a powerful combination. And as I said, for us, it's word and spirit working together. So the writer goes on to describe how to stop drifting. And that is what he's just done, remembering the message, praying for signs and wonders and miracles, and telling others the message of salvation, which is what he goes on to do for the rest of chapter 2. And we are now looking just simply at the start of that. The reference that we have in verses 6 to 8 uh, is introduced by this wonderful phrase. Um, there is a place where someone once said, someone once said, how many times does a verse of scripture come into your head and you think, oh boy, now where is that? That's just a line, isn't it? And we have the advantage of Google, don't we? Or Bible, is it Bible Gateway? I've often put in a, oh, does this phrase actually is the Bible or have I made it up from my Scottish ancestry notes? Oh no, it was actually in the Bible. This is where it is. This guy is just saying somewhere, but actually his knowledge of the Bible would have been, the Old Testament would have been as good as Google. So he's speaking to something that we've seen already in the first chapter of 
where he's continually brought references in from the Psalms. Here, he brings in Psalm 8. And I really want to encourage you to read Psalm 8 through this week and this, these verses through this week and really use both Psalm 8 and these verses to pray into at the climate change conference that's going on. It's extraordinary to me that we picked this passage for this morning and that when I came to study it, it's got creation all over it and it was not a deliberate plan with COP26 starting today. So I think God's trying to say something to us uh, through that uh, as well. So here is the six, verses six to eight, where Psalm eight is being summarized here, where God is praised as the creator of the world and the cosmos. And humanity, described as slightly lower than the angels, is made rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, is what Psalm eight says. Now, it strikes me, and it struck me as I've prepared for today, is there any clearer illustration of the fall described in Genesis 3 than what's going on with the climate crisis at the moment? Humanity was given the world to rule and have dominion over. And at the start of the story, pre-fall, we're walking in the garden with God and we're learning how to rule to, in God's way with justice, righteousness and compassion. And then the fall comes, where we choose to go our own way. And we can see, we can look around now and see the consequences of doing things in our own way, with selfishness and greed at play. And we're making a mess, aren't we? We don't see everything in order. We don't see, as it says here, yet at present we do not see everything subject to them in verse 8. We've created chaos in something that was originally created by our creator. But we do see Jesus Raymond Brown comments, in Christ's person, we see man as he can be. And through Christ's work, we see him as he will be. There is redemption in Jesus who was fully human. So Jesus is the ruler of creation. Raymond Brown goes on to say, we acknowledge afresh that he came to be our pioneer. He had to take our nature and become like us, but without those sinful and rebellious characteristics which mar our nature. Jesus, who became fully human, he was above the angels, he came to earth, he became lower than the angels for a little while as he walked amongst us. In his selfless death, he took on all the sin of humanity, including all our mess-ups, hurtful actions, wrong motivations, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. When we go on in this chapter, we see further what that means. Jesus brings people into the family of God, verse 11, and conquers death, 
in every aspect, verses 14 and 15. But those are plot spoilers for next week. What we read in verse 9 is the trajectory of Jesus is leaving heaven to come to earth, walking with us as fully human in a faithful life, then by his death and resurrection being glorified again, which means he's now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. One of the aspects of humanity's failures that Jesus saves through his death on the cross is the redemption and restoration of all creation. Christopher Wright describes this as the cosmic mission of God to heal and reconcile the whole of his creation. The cross is the guarantee of the healed creation to come. There will be restoration of the creation. That's the clear hope of the future. We're ambassadors of this future hope and it's our responsibility to live in the light of this and to share this. Psalm 8 puts the creation very firmly as the work of our creator. And we see in Genesis 1 that when God creates, it was good. So we can have hope and absolute faith that the future restoration of creation, which is described in the book of Revelation, that future restoration is something that Jesus has won on the cross for humanity. It's a done deal. We often speak, or I often speak, about how the cross has won for us eternal life. And that's something we have to have faith about, isn't it? I can't describe to you what eternal life looks like. I mean, I could give, a, give it a go, but I would fail completely, wouldn't I? But we have faith that God is creating eternal life, that he's won for that on the cross. And we have faith in the same way that he will redeem and restore all of creation, including this world now. And that's a hope that we carry with us. So when we're engaging with the climate crisis, we need to keep that message of salvation, that hope, that faith, that trust, in the forefront of our thinking. I'm really conscious I need to do that because honestly, the, the, all of the, the stuff around it is quite overwhelming. We need to keep that absolute restoration that Jesus has won for us on the cross and God has planned for us in the future at the forefront of who we are as people of faith, as Christians faith and hope together. At the same time as keeping that hope, we don't see everything sorted, do we? And we as followers of Jesus here on earth, it's vital that we live and act in ways that show care for creation as part of our loving and thankful response to our creator. 
you know, that hope of the future restoration means that we can't just trash the planet now. Far, far from it. No, we have a mandate, we have a responsibility to care for what our creator has created. And one of the best places I've found to find teaching and practical response on this is the organization that's called A. Russia. And many of you know of that work through Ian and Hilary Marlowe. Uh, you can check it out on um, arosha.org.uk um, and uh, have a listen to Hillary's talk here on the 19th of September. It's through our website that gives more information about that. But I've found the way that that organisation, which is a Christian organisation engaging communities in nature conservation, really puts out there how to care for God's earth in a very effective way. So along with holding that future hope of the restored creation, what does it look like now to play our part with creation care? And of course, what we need to do is to ask God, what are you saying about this and what am I going to do about it? And share that with people around us. I <laughs> tend to learn best through chatting to other people and finding out what practical steps they've taken. Um, it was, uh, uh, um, you know, going to a conference that I was chatting with the person I was sharing a room with and she was saying to me, oh, I use a wooden toothbrush. And I was like, oh, it's a bamboo toothbrush. I was like, oh, I never thought of that. You can tell I'm quite a long way back in this journey if I'm just moving to bamboo toothbrushes now, but I'm, I've got a long way to go and I need to learn from other people. I know that many people here are much further on, but what's God saying to you next to take action on? Certainly prayer, where the scale is so overwhelming, praying to God, who is the creator, who formed the earth and who knows every part of the world and is the God who intervenes, that is really key. We need to pray for a change of mind and attitudes, a change of mind, that place of repentance for what we've done to the climate, to the, to the planet. And Charles led that earlier as the introduction to our confession. And we need to contend for a culture shift in our lives and in the lives of people around us. Um, I, was, I noticed that the program Shop Well for Less is now rebranded as Shop Well for the Planet. I think that's a good culture change really good culture change and we need more of that in the build-up to cop 26 i have been praying for everyone who's going on it to have a personal kairos a personal moment moment of absolute um impact on their lives to think we have to make a change and to bring those solutions and that repentant and humble heart to cop 26 i know that's a big prayer <laughs> would you join with me in it Lord, change the hearts and minds of everyone in Glasgow, Lord, and those who are having to zoom in. Lord, humble us before you. And may voices of humility and justice and righteousness and of Christian faith come to the fore during these 10 days, Lord. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us creative solutions. Um, I love that uh, last week I met some people from a startup company who are three years in to bringing super creative solutions to the problems of single-use plastic. Some of their solutions just completely blew my mind. Um, so I'm really praying for success for them. And the Holy Spirit is the one of whom it said he sent forth his spirit and they were created. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to send those creative solutions, to stir us up, put new ideas into our head, bring us the motivation and energy that we need. And we need to pray that we see Jesus, the one who's gone ahead of the rest of us into God's future. The future in which saving order and healing justice will come to the world. We're about to gather around the communion table where we remember what Jesus won for us on the cross. And I'm going to pause now to give us space for quiet. And I'm going to introduce this time of quiet with a prayer. Jesus, thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to reveal yourself to us. And Jesus, where we see you as the message and the messenger of salvation, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you come to each one of us now as if you were standing on our doorstep with that message of salvation, that personal saving power and the way that your death on the cross restores the whole of creation when your reign is made fully complete. So come to each one of us now by your Holy Spirit. Stir up that message of salvation in us. Come, Lord Jesus.